Max Hall and Melbourne Football Club, you're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Benderbury from the Collingwood Football Club. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell. You're listening to the Coaches Panel. We've known it for a couple of years, but in 2023, Zach Butters elevated himself to premium territories. He was so good last year and so dominant in the midfield, We've lost him with his mid-forward status, and he is just a pure mid in 2024. But is he still value, and can he still ascend even higher in the fantasy footy landscape? We're going to unpack that today in our episode of the 50 Most Relevant. It's MJ from the Coaches Panel. I hope you well. I trust you're enjoying this series. Can you believe it? It's just a couple of weeks left to go in this year's 50 Most Relevant before we then jump into a whole bunch of strategy, the preseason games, the reviews, and then opening round is upon us. We are not that far away. Joining me on this episode, as he has right throughout this preseason and for a number of years now, he's a part of the Coaches Panel. You hear him again during this year proper. Jordox, nice to see you. Talking about a member of the pair on this episode of the Fifty and Zach. Yeah, g'day, mate. Uh, yeah, it's, he's one of the guys who was in that that great South Australian draft. And as a Crows man that I am, I was really keen on getting one of him or Rosie or Rankin. And in the end, the Crows picked none of them. But I digress. <laughs> <laughs> so Zach Butters, yes, what a fantastic twenty twenty three he had. You know, he showed a lot at the end of 2022. He had a good run of scores leading into the new year. And there were points, there were periods in 2023 where I I didn't actually realize how good a footy player he was. I knew he was, you know, going to be a decent fantasy um, asset, but there were periods of 2023 where I don't think it was crazy to say, hey, this kid's going for a Brownlow. And he, he almost got there too. If you look at his 2023 season, just in a broad brush stroke, he's averaged 113.8 for us last year in Supercoach. It consisted of 15 tons. A career high score was his top score in 2023. Your boy's got some ceiling, a 184, a monster in that format of Supercoach, priced at $636,100. An average of 99.4 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team, 13 tons, a career high top score for us last year in that format as well, 148. He is just 2K skinny of being part of the $900,000 club, and he is $918,100 in DT. You mentioned Jordox just how good of a footballer he is. He has elevated himself in the fantasy football community and in the football public in general from being a really damaging and dynamic forward half player to now just an out-and-out midfielder. Makes his way into the all-Australian squad, gets himself a club best and fairest, and just wraps up the fantasy scoring for days. We'll, we'll dive into the numbers and how he got there in a moment, but just in a pure football sense, he attacks the ball with ferocity. If he doesn't win the ball, he'll go after the opposition with that equal and same amount of ferocity. If you give him even half a centimetre of space, he finds the this way to get out of any congested moment, to set up his teammate with beautiful use by hands and by foot. He still impacts the scoreboard, even if he's not inside forward 50. He really is that modern midfielder. And while people do look at him physically and go, how is he able to be so strong and powerful? 
he really is one of the great midfielders in our game at the moment. I know that sounds slightly hyperbolic, but it really is true. Well, there's a few, but I think the thing that struck me with Butters again was I knew he was tough. He's he's tough as nails. We know that. Uh, but how clean he was and, and how, like you said, how he was able to find space when you probably thought he wouldn't. Um, so, yeah, fantastic player and going to have a long, successful career, but is he going to be a good option for us in fantasy this year? And that's what we're going to go through now. So he's lost that forward status. So where last year you were viewing him as a potential, if it goes 90, 95, that's enough to be a premium forward. Well, now he's in midfield consideration. So he's got to hit the top of the scoring tree or get near enough to it. That 99.4 seasonal average last year did consist of 13 tonnes, five of them over 120. But importantly, while there's probably not the ceiling we'd like, the basement is really quite high. Just the four scores under 80, and a few of them came before a noticeable role change, which we'll address in a moment. While in Supercoach, that 113 average, 15 tons, better conversion. He's a stronger option in this format. Nine scores of 120 plus. Why is he better in Supercoach than AFL Fantasy? Really simple. His impact on the game is rewarded, and it's not just a accumulation of everything he does. It's he's an accumulator and an impact player. So that's why he's a score reward more in Supercoach. Just the two scores sub 80. So what changed for him? Lots did. But where is he in the overall situation? 17th for total points in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. Sixth for Supercoach total points. So he's already at the top of the tree in Supercoach and he is fast climbing it in AFL Fantasy. In round four, he had a noticeable role change. He's always played forward with the odd spluttering of midfield time. In 2023, that changed. The first three games doesn't get over 50% CBAs. The rest of the season from round four onwards, doesn't go under 50% CBAs per game. And from round four onwards, he averages a 104 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team. So about a five points per game jump from what he's priced at and a 118.4 in Supercoach. Again, priced at about five points per game jump. So plenty of encouraging upside for us there. And just even looking at AFL Fantasy, Jordox, from a points per minute perspective, that's where people are probably getting quite excited about him because the way and frequency of his scoring is really at the top of that areas for us as a mid. Yeah, the points per minute is such a interesting stat. It's really important in today's footy because of the high rotation and the amount of time our our best players, you know, sometimes begrudgingly for the fans, spend on the bench. The rotations are important. So when you have a player whose impact in a fantasy sense, is really strong. We use the measure points per minute. And the benchmark or, or a good points per minute score would be one. In the competition in 2023 for fantasy and dream team, there were 27 players who achieved points per minute of one or above. Now, 27 may sound like a lot, but when you split that across the 18 clubs, it's like one and a half in each club. Port Adelaide only had one player do that, and there'll be no surprises on who that was. It was Zach Butters. So he achieved 1.01, which is just after that magic one benchmark. So what does all this mean? It means 
when he's on the bench, sure, he's scoring you nothing. But when he's on the field, he's scoring at a rate that is better than everyone else in the competition apart from those 27 players or 26 other players that he shares it with. To give you a bit of an idea of the best players in the comp and what they score, a couple of guys I'm sure we're going to be talking about coming up in the next couple of weeks on the 50. Big Rowan Marshall achieved 1.14 points per minute, which is extraordinary. And fellow big man Timmy English got 1.12. So Butters has got a fair way to go from there. Mm, bit harder when you're not the ruckman. You get the option of the quick tap down. Um, but the point is his scoring profile and his points per minute are exactly what you want to see. And that points per minute data was courtesy of DFS Australia, who has got a lot of talk this preseason for the brilliant work they do there. Great resource. Uh, yeah, seriously, if you've not gone to DFS Australia this preseason, they have done so much work that back in the quote-unquote good old days of fantasy <laughs> where you would make your own spreadsheets and do things on paper, they've done it all there for you. They, they will say of you, hours of research use that resource and support dfs australia kick them a couple of bucks if nothing else they absolutely deserve all the fine work they're doing for us so he's scoring well for us we know that we know he's doing it well in the role and the injury concern that historically we'd had about zach the myth got busted last year he'd never played more than 20 games in a full afl season prior to 2023 but last year plays every single game and i'm a big believer of you could call someone injury prone but the moment they have a flawless season like that you have to drop that narrative away he has now trumped that out for me because i believe you're injury prone until you're not and you're safe as houses until you're not and you know, I'm not completely across his entire injury history, but I know that my memory of Bud is in, in the recent years when he did miss games was because of the his his ferocious attack on the ball, on the ball rather. And sometimes players mature, as they mature, they start to learn when to go and when not to go. It's not about being less brave; it's about being smarter. And yeah. really good players who love to get the ball and tend to get hurt doing so as they mature, start to learn when's the right time to just pull back and not put myself in harm's way. And Butters clearly has done that in 2023 because he didn't miss a single game through a head knock. So, um, yeah, injury prone is probably not the term we'd use for him. Maybe just a bit more um, not clumsy, uh, brash at the ball. So. Yeah, hopefully for him and for Port Adelaide, he, he does get that a little bit out of his system while still maintaining that ferocious attack on the ball that we all love. Your strengths are your weaknesses, but just in reverse. And so that high ferocity on ball and opponent is where at times when you are a butters owner, you're watching going, oh, geez, he's going to get himself knocked out here. Geez, he's going to get himself reported here. He gave us moments like that last year, but as you said, he started to show some maturity and greater game sense to know when to go and when and how to position himself through there. Look, he's got an incredible ceiling, and you just think of that round 10 matchup against Melbourne, for example, as a reminder of what he can do. 184 in in Supercoach, 148 in AFL Fantasy, 41 possessions, six marks, three tackles, and a couple of goals. Like, yeah, that's 
the pinnacle of him, but it's just that great reminder that now that we're considering him as a player we believe or hope to become in AFL fantasy, already is in Supercoach, a premium midfielder, you want to be able to see a guy that at least somewhere you feel confident to slap a VC on at some point or, or a, a parachute C. And I'm really quite comfortable with Butters that I could do that, depending on the matchup, depending on how it works. If the matchups are available, he's got that ceiling for us there. But Port Adelaide fascinate me this off-season and through this preseason. There's been a couple of things that have come out from the club really clearly. These are the key messages. One, we finally feel like we've unlocked the rucks for us. They've now got two viable guys that could be R1s for them in Sweet and Soldo. Soldo's coming back from injury, but they feel like they're going to be competitive in that area. That's important as we consider around Rosie and what that means because politely, Lysette, Finlayson, Dixon, whoever they rolled through there, they were largely uncompetitive. And in super coach, where hit outs to advantage can lead to possessions, which lead to scoreboard impacts, these are really important. They're not just going to be farming off another ruck. They're now going to have someone that at very least, they feel they'll draw more level than not. That's been a key message that's come out. The second, Jason Horn Francis is finally having his first full uninterrupted preseason. That's a really important thing to note. The franchise of this football club is finally entering into his third season and getting the miles and the conditioning into his body to be able to not just cope with a full season of football, but elevate his game. The other thing that's come through from Port Adelaide is the notion and the story. And everyone that's gone to a Port Adelaide training or match simulation will tell you, Ollie Wines is going back into the midfield. And so I've got some data and some stuff from last year, and I've got a, my own opinion around this, but Jordox for you. Wines back into the mids, a better ruck setup, a stronger building Horn Francis. How does this midfield mix work, given they had Drew Butters and also Connor Rosie rolling through this midfield unit? Well, when you've got so many great midfielders to pick that we've got this year. You know, you really are searching for anything that might sway you against them. And, you know, I've got a lot to say positive about the, the Butters as a, as a selection this year. But I can't I can't lie and say I haven't been a little bit curious to hear all this Ollie Wines talk that he's, gonna, he's fully fit. He wasn't last year. He's going to be back in the midfield. After such great breakout seasons, the guys like Rosie and, and Butters would be moved out of there. Um, there. There's been a notion that maybe, you know, one of them could go a bit closer to goal because they're really good. I, I can't see that, but I, I I also do have to wonder what does Ollie Wines coming back mean? Even though my take was that it probably means Horn Francis spends a bit more time forward, which just you know, personally, I think they should have done the last couple or well, last year just to give him a bit of time to learn and, and, and not, you know, have his body absolutely smashed in just his second year. He was on the ball so much last year. Anyway, that's another um, another topic for another day. So what does it mean? How's it going to look? I, I still think Rosie and Butters will be the, the main ones, but a fit and firing Ollie Wines, it's got to put a bit of question mark on it. 
What do you think? So last year, Connor Rosie attended 69% of center bounces. Zach Butters, 62%. Jason Horn Francis, 58%. Then these next two players equally shared 50%. Willem Drew and Ollie Wines. Now, as the season went on, I'll give you this. Wines center bounce attendances started to slide away. That's where he starts to hit 17, 32, 31, and only a couple of games of plus 50% CBAs. But I'm not of the concern that wines into the mids actually hurts butters drastically. For example, there was a six-week stretch last year where Zach Butters was firing and Horn Francis was playing, Wines was playing, Drew was playing, and Rosie was playing. What was that six-week stretch that I'm alluding to? I'm alluding to round 8 to 13. He averages 121 in AFL Fantasy and 129 in Supercoach. This is Zach Butters' CBAs. 62, 61, 68, 70, 66, 66, 65. What was Ollie Wines through there? 52, 70, 59, 52, 54, 19. By the way, Travis Spoke went 50% in that one. He did 30, 13% all year. And then back up to 74. So the person that actually had a center bounce impact when Wines was still having strong CBAs, when Butters was in CBAs, when Rosie was there, it was Willem Drew. In the back half of the year, he's going 60s and even one game at 90% CBAs. But through there, there's only one game in that stretch where he's over 50%. Port Adelaide ran a really tight centre bounce midfield last year. It was those five players. I think it's those five again. And if Wines is increasing, I see it as Drew that is decreasing. It changes their defensive makeup of that midfield. That would make a lot of sense to me. Could a Butters, could a Rosie go forward? I think the answer is yes, but I think it's going to be more based on breaking tags that might come their way or changing up a dynamic in a in a specific matchup, not so much a new normative pathway that might come. Jordox, we alluded to the tag. What's your take on that? Because some are in the tag Rosie camp and some are in the tag Butters camp. Both you could build a really equally compelling case that they're worthy of it. Where do you think this may or may not go? It's really, it's a hard one to sort of pick. I mean, it just firstly, what you said just before this point on on wines and coming in, I mean, I think that's a really, really good capture of, you know, Butter's best period of the year came at a time when wines had his most time in the centre bounces. So, you know, the takeaway from that would obviously be don't start Willem Drew this year, but also... <laughs> uh, <laughs> But also um, that butters, yeah, won't be impacted too much. Now, with the tag, I think it's going to be – it's going to change week to week. I, I've always been of the mindset that Rosie is just that little little bit classier. But after last year and seeing what um, butters does, I, I think it's going to be sort of impossible to pick one or the other. I think it's going to depend who's in the hottest form at the time. And then you'll see things like, and this is such a great position for Port Adelaide to be in, mind you, you'll see things like a game where the tag goes to Butters. And uh, if you're a Butters owner, you think, oh, no, this is the worst possible scenario. And then Rosie gets off the chain and he's absolutely dominating. 
And at halftime, they might flick the tag to Rose E. And then Butters gets off the chain. So it's a really good position for power to be in. But for a fantasy prospect, I don't think you should try and predict which one and make your pick. And let's just say, look, I think realistically a lot of people are going to be going Butters or Rosie in their starting squad if if they like you know, everything that's around those players. They're so similar in price, in, in, in everything we've talked about. So if you have a theory on which one will be tagged, I just don't think that should be a part of your decision-making because I think it's going to fluctuate. Yeah, fair enough too. You're right. Rosie and Butters, and you could probably add Sarong and Brayshaw. All these four premium midfielders are a part of that round 13 buy that structurally I believe is going to be really critical for us this year. Not only will they get you through those four of the first six weeks where you're dealing with best 18 buys, but also in round 12, 14 and 15, where it's going to be much harder to get a fielding of strong 18 to 20 players on field to capitalize best 18. We saw that last year with Gold Coast and Geelong. People were going, I'm going to get Fiorini. I'm going to get Atkins. I'm going to get, it's like, yeah, this year, We've got four genuine premium midfielders that we can go and get through there. And how you rank and rate what you forecast they will become largely will indicate which one you lean to if you're only picking one. You can pick multiple, but I'm probably of the, yeah, I'd say it. I think you need one of those four in your starting squads to be able to get the balance that you're looking for and to maximize the scoring power that they give you over the first four months of the year. So is it as simple as rank Rosie, Butters, Brayshaw, Sarong, put them in the order? You could really simplify it to that if you want to. And for that, you might look at Butters in AF and go, there's more value potentially here. So I'll go that way. You might look at others. We did Caleb Sarong just a few days ago with Minimunk and it was, oh, I like his basement and I see natural progression. So maybe it's that, that he's more of a captaincy option. Or in Supercoach, you might go, I think Rosie could get to where Butters is and have some upside and Butters might just hold, which is again, still a top 10 player in the comp, but it's there. So so how you balance out those four and rank those four might just tell you a lot. But before we look at drafts, Jordogs, we've talked about this by, from a fixture perspective, if he's going to play for us early, is there any red flags or green flags that come your way based on where he's playing and who he's playing that might deter us or excite us about picking butters? The the gather round that was introduced last year added a bit of an extra element for the Adelaide sides in that they just get that extra home game. So I thought that was interesting to look at the fixture for the first half of the year. So from rounds one to 10, Port Adelaide will play seven of those games at Adelaide Oval, which is a lot, and there's a great stadium to play, and there's a lot of points to be had there. So then I thought, all right, let's have a look at his splits, and this is talking AFDT numbers. And it didn't really give me much of an answer because he was good away from home as well as he was at home. So I've got the numbers, so I may as well rattle them off. So in the 13 home games, Butters averaged 101. And then in the 10 away games, he averaged 98. And that's AFDT. So there's a three-point upside. So not much there. However, in saying that, the Adelaide Oval, the home ground advantage, you would think there's going to be more higher scores 
than lower, and he gets seven cracks at it in the first half of the year. In terms of who they're playing, if I'm honest, MJ, I'm not I'm not really big on that at this point of the year. We don't have any data. The only data we have is well over six months old. Yep. Uh, he does start at home against West Coast, though. So I would suggest there's a good chance he will get up, hit the ground running in 2024. There's some good matchups. There's um, Essendon through there. There's Richmond, who are an unknown quantity, but historically quite a good matchup for midfielders. Melbourne, again, they love to go head-to-head, not so much with tags. Collingwood have been favourable towards the back of last year. So uh, I put all those elements together with Butters and go, there's upside. Just from round four onwards, there's upside. There's good ceiling. There's a favourable fixture both in venue and in matchups. And there's a buy structure that makes him really, really appetising. If you have not considered Zach across the formats, you've missed a trick this preseason. You need to go and consider him because he could really unlock the way you structure up this year. I think but is, I think he is that perfect guy that we look for every year he's not a mid-pricer he's just averaging around the you know the 90 to 100 we're always looking at who's going to be the one that's now going to go to that next step i think he fits the bill he's got no early buy he's got a season where you know as you sort of uh, as you said at the start post position change role change his average is well he's about five points better in dt and af and He's a player that I can only see getting better. So I think he is a great start option this year. Yeah. And in Supercoach, you're picking him because you believe he's a vice captain or captain option, which I think he is. In AFL Fantasy, you're picking him for a little bit of upside, but he's also at that price point that if he's not quite there for you, and with the volume of trades we have with two a week, use them or lose them in AFL Fantasy. If you're on him and it's LDU that pops and you're not on LDU, make that switch. If there's a guy that is popping off, that's not butters, that then as you get through, you can make that switch. Gosh, he could become Tom Green for you after the GWS Giants first couple of weeks. If you go, he goes 90, 90, something doesn't work. Jump on over. Absolutely no problem. He gives you avenues, but I'm really confident. I don't see a world where he doesn't hit that 105 marker for us in AFL fantasy. And I think he stays as a 110 plus guy for us in Supercoach as his floor of what he'll deliver us in 2024. Draft, whole different story though. What he's based at from a rankings perspective based off seasonal averages is sits at that M1 spot in Supercoach. And historically, we'd probably go as an M3 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team leagues. I don't think he falls out of M1 considerations in Supercoach. He might go to an M2 if someone goes mid-mid with the the Rucks and and a Nick Dacos going early. So they might be able to really load up on, on midfielders early if they're at the back end of that first round. But my question is AFL Fantasy related to you, Jordox. Does he slide consistently to an M3? Or do you have to jump at an M2 spot to, to guarantee you get him? I, every year, these are the players I love because when they lose DPP, they just lose a little bit of the appeal and some people sometimes just sort of put them to the side. That's not happening this year because we lost every DPP just about from the forward line. There's nothing left except for McRae and Flanders. So that's not happening. 
However, if you're in a league who with people who really do look at the average and 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 they sort their players in the in the draft by average, we are so spoiled for choice for midfielders this year. It's it's not even funny. So a lot of people will say, well, I'm not sure. Let's just go with the highest averaging, you know, for various reasons. There are 21 midfielders, mid only, that averaged more than Butters. So he comes in as the 22nd ranked, on average, midfielder. I think that lends itself to the possibility that he slides to an M3. Now you are absolutely laughing if that happens. Oh, yeah. But if the rucks go and someone jumps on McRae and Dacos goes and you never know. Realistically, though, M2, um, I mean, I think he's going to be a fine M1 if you even wanted to just pick up as much as you want elsewhere and then and then get to your, your midfield. But M2 is certainly the sweet spot. Yeah, if if you're hoping he gets to M3, you're, you're running a gauntlet in AFL fantasy. It's a gauntlet that could come your way, but th- there's enough um, expectation and buzz in the community that if you want him, it's M2 in AFL fantasy. And like you said, M1, it probably just means you've locked away someone like an English or a Dacos or a Marshall type early and you've had one of those early picks and you're picking him back on uh, the return into your second and third round picks, which, you know, again, I don't know if I'd pick him in the second round in an AFL fantasy draft, but everybody's different. The leagues are different. The rules are different. Hey, Jordox, as always, made a pleasure to talk about some fantasy footy players and uh, the impact that Zach Butters will have in 2024. My pleasure, mate. It's um, it's really going fast this preseason. We are getting so close to the start. So look forward to the next couple of weeks of players on this top 50 There's just over two weeks to go in the 50 most relevant number, 17 today, 16 tomorrow. I'll tell you about a little clue and tell you who the guest collaborator is in just a moment. But if you're enjoying this series, thank you so much for either watching, listening or reading. You can check out the articles at coachespanel.tv. Every single podcast is available for you wherever you get your audio podcasts, YouTube Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, The Works, wherever you get your podcasts, just simply search for the Coaches Panel. You'll find it. And if you could take that five seconds out of your day to give it a five-star rating, we'd greatly appreciate it. And if you're loving the video content, if you haven't checked us out, we're on YouTube. Just punch in the coaches panel. You can see it. You can check out every single one of the videos. We're aiming to hit 1,000 subscribers before the end of the 50 most relevant. We only started doing YouTube this preseason. So why not jump on, give it a subscription, jump and get some notifications turned on. We'd love to see if we could hit that thousand subscriber mark before we get to the end of the 50 most relevant. If you want to do that, the details for all those things and our Patreon in the description of this episode. So you can do that and you can also join the Patreon supporter group with a ton of other rewards, group access to a heap of stuff and a few other surprises that are coming your way this preseason and season proper. All right, so who's up next in the 50 most relevant? Our guest, Phantom, he's on. Yeah, if you play in the super coach world, you're going to see him. Is he going to unmask himself on our YouTube video episode? Well, that would that might, maybe if we get to a thousand subs before he's on, that might happen, but I doubt he'd do that for us. So who's on the episode with him tomorrow? Is it one of Phantom's favourites? Or have I just randomly asked him to do someone? Here's what I'll tell you. 
I think this guy, by the end of round 24, might just be the top scorer in the game. His fantasy and super coach potential, I think he's not even hit his straps and he's already right at the top of the tree for us. This guy is a scoring beast. He does everything. And we've only just started to scratch the surface with him. People are concerned about a few early challenges he might have. But even with that early challenge, I think he could still be the number one scorer. He's a beast of a human being. The beast of a scorer. He might just be one of my new favourites. Who is he? You'll find out tomorrow in the 50 Most Relevant. Give it a go. Now keep-